1: Learn more at marines.com.
0: On the subs of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, Trevor Knight joins us for an interview. We talk to Trevor about his playing career. He gives us thoughts on OU going to the SEC, and he lets us know what he expects from the Sooners this season. And that's it. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, August 12th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And every night from 6 p.m. to midnight, August 1st through 27th, you can win your share of $300,000 in cash, prizes, and bonus play in Riverwind's $300,000 Riverwind Winiversary. That is a lot of money. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Now, Ted, we are recording this way <laughs> in advance. We are both still on vacation. How do you think it's going for us in the future, man?
1: Uh, for me, probably horribly. It's a road trip. Uh, you know how our kids are on the road. Are we there yet? I'm probably got uh like noise canceling headphones on driving right now.
0: How do you think the eight hour and 45 minute flight went for me with a six week old baby?
1: Oh my God. I don't know that. I don't know, man. <laughs> that, that's tough. dude. You're supposed to tell me it's going to be fine. Uh, what do you mean? You don't know. I, I think I I think my son was always okay flying. I don't think, but we didn't take him when he was that young. We took him whenever he's old enough to put an iPad in his hands and let him, you know, tap on the screen and play some games. I don't know. There's gonna, it's gonna be really bad whenever you're coming down to land, dude. The the ears popping, kid's not gonna know what's going on. That's gonna be bad. But the rest of the time may not be bad.
0: Does it make it any better that the flight home is supposed to be an hour longer? Same flight, but because of wind or whatever, whatever going yeah. west, it takes longer for whatever reason. It's the what is it? the trade winds or whatever. I don't I don't know, but
1: I don't know. I don't think once you get above like 5 hours I think it's all the exact same. It's all just really bad.
0: I can't wait to recap this vacation.
1: I think you're going to thrive in that type of environment though. That's right up your alley. You're going to be walking up and down the the aisle, bouncing the baby, trying to get a little little bit of a comfort zone going there, burping. You, you'll you'll handle that. You em, you'll thrive.
0: Embrace the chaos. That's life right. motto.
1: Let's go. That's right. <laughs> okay,
0: if you are interested in sponsoring the podcast during football season, please email us at the Breakdown at gmail.com or reach out to Teddy or me on Twitter. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and leave a nice comment while you're at it. That, that Those make us feel good. There's been some really complimentary ones coming in lately. And, man, they these these people like what we're doing. So it makes us feel Thanks, good that knowing that good. you guys enjoy it. So if you have time, comment, five-star review. That would be great. But, Ted, we've got Trevor Knight on this episode. And I did not anticipate the interview lasting an hour, but that's exactly what happened.
1: I he had some good stuff to say, man. Some uh it's it's Trevor Knight, the kind of the whole story, like the emotions behind everything. The dude had a hell of a roller coaster ride as a college quarterback, man. He really did um played early Uh, Heisman Trophy winner came in afterwards, transferred, played in two different conferences. I mean, there's some crazy stuff. Got propositioned by a a megastar on game day. I mean, it's nuts.
0: We get into all of it, (laughs) and we're not going to keep you waiting any longer. But first, let's talk money. First, Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Well, there's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, here is a deep dive with our man, Trevor Knight. It is our pleasure to be joined by an OU football legend. Yes, legend, I say. Trevor Knight is in the house. What is going on, man? Not much, man.
2: Glad to be on. I feel like uh, this is a long time coming. I watch you guys and listen to you guys. and You've always got great thoughts. And I, I keep my mouth shut. And finally, this week, it all bursted open, and here we are.
0: We we will get to the Quinn Ewer stuff. We'll we'll get there. That that's toward the end of the interview. We're, we we got to dive into you a little bit more. But and I I do want to start here. I want to start with the OU stuff because we have so many OU fans that listen, and you know some of the some of the stuff that. OU fans have said about your career over the years like it bothers me you know and I'm sure it bothers you and all these people commenting on what your career was at OU what it wasn't now that it's been several years now when you look back at your time at OU your career there in Norman like how how do you feel about it it,
2: it was first of all uh, an absolute dream of mine. I mean, that's the that's the best way that I could put it uh, for a, an opportunity to go from San Antonio kid, where you know there's not many guys that come out of San Antonio and get to go play uh, at a school like Oklahoma. To be able to go through the recruiting process when nobody in my family had, you know, really nobody around me had, um, it was like jumping into a fire at the beginning. Uh, but I was so thankful that you know, I, I'd been raised to go and compete, right? And so, um, going and red shirting and then having an opportunity to play early, uh, and then get to put on that, you know, that helmet every single week to play in that stadium every single week. Um, man, I didn't take it for granted for a single second. Now, the way that my career there ended up, yeah, you can look back on and say there was a lot of disappointment, but all of us could, right? I mean, You know, I always tell people my dream was to go and and play at OU and win four national championships and win four Heisman trophies. But that's just not reality. Right. Um, And one of the reasons I love sports and specifically football is because there's so many parallels to life. And I think my story shows that a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of in between. Um, I'm so thankful now that I can still call uh, Oklahoma home. Um, I got a degree from one of the greatest places on Earth. And uh, sure, there's some things I look back on that, you know, I wish I could have changed here or there. But again, I think we all could have. Mine just might be highlighted a little bit because of the situation.
1: Well, I, I know this. Uh, you had an unbelievable game. It maybe the most fun atmosphere I've ever been a part of. Like that Alabama game was just insane. Uh, The fans, the sidelines, like I'll never forget watching Adrian Peterson run up and down the the sideline. Take us inside the bowl prep for that game. Uh, You guys came out on fire. You had some really good stuff. You were running around making throws on the run. What was that preparation like? Because obviously, you know, Alabama, that was the year that Coach Stoops had had some sparring with the SEC people and Lo and behold, you end up in a in a bowl game against Alabama. So what was that whole process like? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
2: Yeah, you know, I was a young guy. Um, I had guys like Gabe and others that were they're really running the show. Um, and Blake Bell and I were kind of up and down that year. Who was playing? Who wasn't? Um, and I'll never forget going into bowl practices that year. I was coming off a shoulder injury in Bedlam where Blake went in and threw the game winning touchdown pass. And so I, I really didn't expect to be named the starter for that game. But uh, kind of as fate would have it, you know, we start bowl prep and, and we run in there and the rest is history. But I do remember specifically there's probably six or seven games, which is not that many. I, I wish it was more in college where I just remember really believing in the game plan for that week or, or that bowl game, whatever it was. And that was one of those. We were practicing at the Saints facilities um, and just some of the things that we were doing were a little bit different in terms of game plan that we had done, you know, previously that year or even the, the, the year before that when I was there. And uh, I just remember feeling from the top down, from Coach Stoops to Hype, uh, to all the guys up front, to our whole offense, just kind of this confidence. We knew we were the underdog, obviously, um, but the confidence in the game plan was a little bit different. Um, and and I, 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 you know, tip my hat to our leaders of that team, the older guys, because There was never a moment where it was, hey, we're going to have to give it our all, you know, this type of thing. And and we knew that was the mindset. We knew we were going to have to play a a dang near perfect game. um, But the confidence was always there. And then, uh, you know, uh, maybe one of three or four times where, you know, you feel confidence in the game plan. But then you go out and I think we ran all of our top 10 plays. You know, you have your first 10 plays that, that the offensive coordinator will kind of jot down. And if the game goes perfectly, you run those plays almost in order. And I'm pretty sure we almost got through all 10 of those if we didn't. And, uh, and so some of those things were just hitting and we got ahead early. But you look at the whole game, and yes, offense played well. Our defense also had maybe their best game of the year. Special teams, we had some incredible things happen. It was just a a really neat night all the way around and obviously a huge win for the program.
0: How often do OU fans come up to you and say something about that game? Because it, it still happens to me. I can only imagine how many like how many people come up to you and say something about cuz a lot of OU fans I've had a lot of fans tell me that's like their favorite game of their like the their entire lives
2: yeah I, it, that is i mean that is obviously the one game of my career that people will will spit out of their mouth the most because it was so memorable i mean just everything about it i you know i got to play in five bowl games as a college football player and that was easily the best week. I mean, take the game out of it. New Orleans was an awesome place to go and have events. And you're there right on, you know, Bourbon Street and great food and everything else. Um, you know, I, I know that outside of the game, all the fans were having a good time as well. And then and then to put that on top of it, I mean, how do you not remember that? If you were there, you, you know, Teddy, you said it. You felt the electricity. You got Adrian Peterson running up and, and, and down the sidelines. Um, and then to get a, you know, kind of a historic win for the program. Um, yeah. I mean, all encompassing, it was just a, a really cool night at first, you know, when I first got done playing, I, I was a, I guess a little pissed because it seemed like people didn't remember the rest of my career. Right. You know, yeah, there were some games <laughs> where maybe I didn't play all that great, but there was also, I felt like some games I thought I played pretty good too. Um, and I get it. You know, I, I laugh about it now. I'm like, everybody that comes, within, you know, a few feet of me becomes a Heisman Trophy winner. I switch with Kyler. He comes and wins the Heisman. I obviously made Baker win the Heisman. You know, I'm just a, you know, come around me. You're going to be a better player, I guess.
1: Well, hey, embrace it because the amount of people uh, that have thrown for 350 yards and four touchdowns against Nick Nick Saban's Alabama team, you can count uh, probably on like one finger. So, uh, especially in a big-time bowl game. But you mentioned uh, the Baker Mayfield. What was that transition like? And uh, what was it like, you know, because he was there on his year where he had to sit out. uh, And then you guys go into a spring, kind of battle it out. What was that whole process like? What was it like, um, you know, competing against him and then learning, you know, back and forth as you guys uh, progressed to that next season?
2: Yeah, you know, my, my career was always competition, um, you know, going in as a young guy and, and compete with Blake. Uh, but I think Blake kind of really set the tone for me in terms of, hey, man, yeah, we're competing against each other, but we're going to make each other better and we're going to have a fun time doing it. Um, and so I always appreciate him of kind of setting that tone for me. And, and, and it paid off as my career went on because um, we went, you know, like I said, we went back and forth that year, but we had such a fun time together. So then Bate transfers in, and we knew – I mean, we were big fans of him, right? True freshman walk-on, what a story at at Texas Tech. And then, you know, to to play well after that, I think he was know newcomer of the year or freshman of the year in the Big 12. Uh, And then he comes on campus as – and I'll tell him this to his face, a little fat guy and (laughs) uh, plays intramural ball for a semester. And, um, and, and but he he immediately had a way of of getting guys around him to rally to him, right? Whether it was in spring ball, scout team, or just in the locker room, by you know, he danced around and all sorts of crazy stuff. But um, he had he had true leadership qualities. I I feel like I had some leadership qualities, um, and I feel like uh, I hope a lot of my teammates would say I was a pretty good leader. But he had a way of not just being a good leader, uh, but really having guys gravitate towards him. Um, and so going through that process, much like me and Blake, you know, we got really close. I still consider Baker a really good friend. Um, and was it tough for me? One hundred percent. You guys know as a competitor to, to have a job and 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 to want to go out there and, and do the best for your team on Saturdays um, and then to kind of get that stripped or taken away from you. Of course, it was a gut punch for me. But. Um, You know, I'm still so thankful for that time with Baker because I learned a lot through that. Um, Again, kind of taking it back to the whole life thing. You learn a lot about life when you go through adversity and hardship. And, um, you know, I I love using Baker as as an example now because there's not many guys that when they step on the field and over that white line that believe in themselves as much as he does. Um, And there's not many guys that can just simply by being him make the guys around them so much better players, people, everything than, than a guy like bake. So it was tough um, from a personal standpoint, but it was really neat to, you know, obviously watch one of the, in my opinion, one of the best college quarterbacks ever play kind of do his thing uh, at my expense, really.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting. And I think refreshing perspective, Trev. So you, you make the decision to transfer and I I know how much you loved it at OU. How difficult was that decision? And ultimately, what led to you picking AM?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And, and another unbelievable and unbelievably hard thing that I had to go through. Um, loved OU, still do. I mean, absolutely consider it home. Couldn't, it, when I stepped on campus there, and, and even as it got further into my career there, it, I never in a million years would have guessed that I would leave that place, right? N- nobody would. Um, but I remember when Bate got, got the job, uh, Lincoln told me, he's like, hey, be ready. We believe in you. You know, if, if something happens, um, you know, be ready, right? Well, Bate goes on and ends up, you know, third, fourth in the Heisman that year, whatever it was. He took it and ran with it, as you should at that level, right? Um, so I remember just sitting back and, and watching Bate do his thing, and there was a period of time where I thought, man, this just fun, fun college career. My brother's here. My, my, my buddies are here. I love this place. I'm going to hang it up. I'll be a good backup for the next two years and, and that's it. But then that competitive side, you know, it just, it just started eating me up inside and I just felt, man, I, I truly felt in my heart at the time. There's, I could play it anywhere in this country except for where I'm at right now. That's what I felt. Right. And, and I had, had played a lot of ball up until that point. And so, I was so thankful for Bob and Lincoln taking the time to sit down with me and say, hey, listen, we really want you here. We think you're a valuable part of this team, whether you're on the field or not, but we understand, and if there's something that you're running to, that's what Lincoln told me, and I I, I still use this to this day. He said, I got a lot of job offers when I was at East Carolina, but I wasn't running to any of them. When Bob called to go to OU, I was running towards him, and he said, I want that to be the same type of decision for you, and so there wasn't the portal or anything at this time. So I went, you know, up to compliance and wrote down a list of teams that I thought, you know, may have a, a need or, or, you know, I just had an interest in. And I send that out and I start kind of, you know, it gets out in the media and those types of things. And long story short, I give Kevin Sumlin a call. Cause I'm like, Hey, kind of want to get out of the big 12 would, would be awkward to play against OU and, and, and just don't want to do that. Um, but, you know, closest school to home that's not in the big 12 that, that I think is at, Maybe not a lateral move, but lateral conference, uh, if you will. And that's A&M. So I call him. He's like, hey, man, thanks for the call. But, you know, we've got Kyler Murray and Kyle Allen. And they're battling it out. But uh, basically, thanks for the call. And fast forward about a week later, Kyle Allen decides he's out. Kyler says he's leaving. And uh, my phone rings, and it's Summy. He's like, hey, man, let's have a different conversation. <laughs>
0: about that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. So uh, – was, uh, was, was having great conversations with a lot of coaches, but in the end decided that was the best opportunity for me to simply go play football again and, and got to do that. And, uh, and, and that's how that shaped out.
0: All right, let's take a quick break. Do you own a business if you do? You need Insurica in your life. Dot com and guys summer is here and you know what that means it is hard seltzer season baby and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast and that is will and wiley hard seltzer from coop aleworks works it's perfect for any occasion we drink it by the pool at the lake and at the tailgate it is made in oklahoma and it is absolutely delicious will and wiley is customized for the oklahoma lifestyle Go find it right now in a store near you and go follow them on social media at at Will and Wiley. All right, back to the interview.
1: I want the juicy stuff. Give me the rest of that list. You said you wrote down a list and uh, you had some schools that you were interested in. Did you have any other conversations with, with any other head coaches anywhere? Um, how did that whole process go? How did you get in touch with those guys? And And what was it kind of like to be I mean essentially a free agent uh you know whenever it's out there that you're wanting to transfer it's kind of the only thing you can really compare it to
2: right yeah you know I, I put the list of uh you know out there and compliance sent that to those schools and then it gets in social media and everything else so my phone started ringing um primarily from you know ga's and things like that but a couple head coaches too and the process oh
0: if the ga's calling they're off the list man they're off the list they're off the list
2: come on yeah i i I feel like I'm a little bit, you know, bigger than that at this point. Not really. But I was, um, I I was surprised at who was getting back to me with, with serious interest. And this was, you guys got to remember, this was like two weeks period. This was after our bowl game. We had played uh, Clemson in the orange bowl and I'm set to enroll in January. So like this is happening very quickly. Right. Um, But I got a call back from Mark Rick at Georgia and I was like, sweet. So now this may be something I'm, I'm running to. Um, and then I got a call from Gus Malzahn at Auburn uh, and Les Miles at LSU. And I think those were probably the main three uh, that I was really excited about that first week. And I told all three of these coaches, I said, hey, listen, I'm not a young guy. I'm not coming out of high school. I don't need to know what type of facilities that you have. I don't need to know what type of jerseys that you're putting on. I, I don't care about any of that stuff. I'm an older guy. Play a lot of ball. Just, just give me the facts. What, what is my opportunity here? Uh, do I have an opportunity to come in and compete? Um, and, and what does this look like for for the you know the, the strength of the football team? Are you guys going to compete next year? I mean, just give me the give me the real meat to this whole deal. And they did. Um, I ended up not hearing back from Mark Rick, and I was kind of upset about that because I'd heard great things about Athens. And uh, turns out he's getting the the head job down at Miami. So then it was really LSU. Um, And and Les Miles and I were on the phone every single night and Auburn and uh, shoot, he had Cam Newton call me and try to get me there because Cam, you know, was a transfer and I was going to be a transfer and Cam wins the Heisman. So I was going to win the Heisman. Right. And uh, and so that was that was cool conversation. And then the whole deal with Kyle and Kyler came around and I had to make a serious decision. It wasn't like, oh, if A&M calls, I'm going there. It was, hey, what's the best for me? Uh, but I had to make that decision in, you know, one or two days.
0: I I am one of those guys where I, I do think about, like, you know, the alternate universe where if I would have made a different choice than I made. Do you ever think about, like, what would happen if you would have gone and played at LSU instead of going to a No doubt. God?
2: No doubt, yeah. Damn, man. I mean, it, although it, you look back. Even my decision just to leave OU, I I couldn't imagine my life now if I hadn't have done that, right? I mean, that was just such a – that was such a cool year for me, getting to go play more ball, and it set me up to at least go have a couple cups of coffee in the NFL and, you know, a dream of mine and those types of things. Um, Yeah, my life would have looked completely different. And so you look at – you look at that, and you look at really anything in your life, small decisions can completely impact it, right? I mean, if I was a Tiger, I'd be – you know probably sitting next to Ed O right now and my voice would be out or something crazy like that, right? Eating chicken uh, on the stick. No doubt, no doubt. But uh, it, it, so many things that would take up way too much time on this podcast that I could say, man, it was just perfect for me to go to A&M. And it worked out for me. And it's fun now because I'll throw out some hot takes every once in a while about I don't really believe in the transfer portal. I really don't. And and everybody's like, what are you talking about, dude? You transferred. And I got to sit there and kind of explain my reasoning uh, of why it was beneficial for me. A guy that went to a school, gave it everything that they had, graduated, um, played a lot of ball and just wanted to go compete again. And I know there's other guys out there that absolutely should be uh, rewarded that. But there's also some guys out there that are taking advantage of this portal. and, And I think it's bad. But that's for another another time.
1: So you show up on campus, college station, Summies down there. What's it like uh, you, you know, getting to know a whole new group of guys that have kind of – I mean, it's a little bit di- – in the NFL, There's there's a ton of turnover every year, right? And then you bring in a whole bunch of rookies, and they clip some guys off. So you, you get kind of used to it in the NFL. In college, it's a little bit different. You're going into an environment where – it's for them, especially you're going in, what, in January, they just finished a season, and this is, this is, there's some early arrivals, but not a whole lot, so you're trying to, you're trying to get yourself in with a a tight-knit group of guys. How hard was that to break through? What was it like going into spring ball with those guys? Just that whole acclimation period.
2: Yeah, that was tough. I mean, I, I look back on that, too, and I think, man, for the guys that are leaving schools that, are in a good position they just feel like they want to go somewhere else would not recommend it because I came in as a guy that you know a a lot of the guys on the team knew who I was just because I had played they know college football but they didn't they, they didn't they didn't hang out in the dorms with me right they didn't go through the the grind of summer workouts with me all those things that bring you close as a senior group if you will a leadership group we didn't have. So I had a very short and finite period of time that I had to earn the respect of my new teammates, let them know that I was for real, let them know that I wanted to be a leader on this team. And then once they did accept me, start actually leading. Um, And and Gabe knows this, I was always a kind of a rah-rah guy and and a weight room guy. Um, And
0: I think, dude, Ted, he, he comes from the clan of workout warriors that you're from brother. Like he, (laughs) so you talk about going and earning respect quickly. I can tell you that it didn't take very many workouts for those guys to go. Oh shit. Look at this dude. Like, (laughs) okay. Like he's got it. That's the best way
1: to do it.
2: Freshman year, I thought I was, you know, this big shot and I was out walking in front, you know, not hanging my head. Uh, We were running three trippers on the turf field outside. It's like 115 degrees. And I think Brennan Clay almost came up to me and and just punched me straight (laughs) in the back of the head. Luckily, I had some (laughs) of my freshman dudes out there, Sterling Shepard and Deron. They kind of had my back. But anyways, that was kind of my way of getting in with this team. I said, you know, I'm not going to come in here and I'm not going to use my mouth to try and lead at first. I'm just going to lead by example and I'm going to work really hard in in uh, in these winter workouts. Um, and then I'm slowly going to kind of find the, the, the true leadership of this team and just let them know that I'm for real. And I, I got their back and those types of things. And so uh, to answer your question, it was hard. It, it was really hard. But I am thankful for all those guys for embracing me as one of their own and allowing me to end up being a captain and a leader on that team um, and have a really fun year.
0: Kind of wrapping up your playing career, Trev, obviously the pro career, it didn't go the way you wanted it to go, right? Did you ever, with your athleticism, your size, did you ever think about switching positions? Because that that was something that I know that people had talked about with you because of your speed, because of your strength. Do you ever think about what would have happened if you would have been willing to try something else other than quarterback?
2: I think the answer is no. I didn't ever think that I – or I didn't ever pursue it. Did I think about it? Because people brought it up, probably. But I never gave it serious thought. Um, And here's why. I had enough ability at the quarterback position to where I was getting a shot to live out my dream. Sure, Did I get drafted? No. That was a bummer. I I really thought I may be a a late – sixth or maybe seventh round guy. And it, it just didn't happen. Right. Um, and then, you know, getting signed to the Cardinals, I thought it was a great opportunity for me because you had Carson Palmer, which ended up being his last year that year. And Drew Stanton, another, you know, 10, 11, 12 year guy that was kind of on the back of, end of his career. And I signed with them and then they immediately signed Blaine Gabbert. So I got three former top 10 picks in front of me with Minimum six, seven years of experience. It was just an uphill climb for me at at that program. Um, And so I end up getting cut on the last day, get signed by the Falcons. And quite frankly, I thought I was doing great. Another great situation. You got Matt Ryan, um, who's obviously still playing at a super high level. And then Matt Schaub, who has already hung it, hung up the cleats. And uh, as fate would have it, Gabe. The the reason this isn't the reason that my career ended, I look back now and I I realized that there's some tools specifically at the quarterback position that that I didn't have I was I was an athlete that was playing quarterback and I wish throughout my development that I would have taken more time to truly just be a quarterback right. Um, But kind of the beginning of the end of my career was we, uh, you know, in in the NFL, you've, you've got a 10 man practice squad everybody else is on the roster. So sometimes when the offense is going, uh, you know, you've got defensive starters on the quote unquote scout team or look team and and vice versa. So we had a couple, you know, at least second team guys running routes just to give the defense a look at practice. So I told Coach on the weeks that we were playing teams like the Patriots where Matt Shaw would get most of the reps because he's more of a pro style guy or, or other teams like that. I said, Coach, give me some gloves. I'll go run a backside nine route and give these guys a breather. And so I was running a comeback route on the backside. I ended up catching a couple of touchdown passes, by the way, but I I was running a comeback on the backside of a, you know, of a card and I stuck my foot in the ground. My back kind of popped on me. Um, I tried to, you know, play through it or whatever for for a few days and fast forward about a week and a half later, can't get out of bed, ended up rupturing a disc in my lower back had surgery nine months recovery, had a few workouts after that. And so that was the beginning of the end. Um, So I never really had the chance to pursue that, even if it was something down the line, Uh, because up until that point, I was still getting enough confidence and enough looks at quarterback to where it, you know, I just didn't want to go through that.
1: Well, um, it comes at you fast too, doesn't it? It's like, you don't imagine, you know, you're not going to play football forever. But then, whenever you're not playing football, it's like, "How did I get here, and what am I going to do now?" So, right whenever you you kind of felt like it, you're going to have to start pursuing some other things, like what what did you what did you start thinking about?
2: Yeah, so it was unique. I was sitting on the couch, my dad's couch, back in San Antonio for literally six, seven, eight months, doing rehab a couple times a week with uh, with the Spurs guys down in San Antonio, and. Um, I thought, man, this is unique. I don't know if I'll ever get to play the ball again. I don't know if my back will let me, number one, but number two, I don't know if I'll get picked up. And uh, and so what what am I going to do next, right? Um, I, I didn't know. So I just made a list of everybody I knew. I picked up the phone and started started talking to people about different industries and, you know, what do you do? What would you do the same? What would you do differently? Which was really cool now because I, you know, I kind of built a, a Rolodex, if you will, of a lot of influential people that you know, taught me a lot of life lessons and just some of those conversations, but uh, ended up getting healed, getting cleared, um, went and worked out, I think for at 13 different teams in 13 different cities. And and you guys know, it's the one day workouts, they fly in in the morning, you do the physical, I went out and threw. you know, maybe 10 balls, a lot of times it was just because they were looking at a receiver there, but they still fly me all the way across the country, right. And uh, there's a couple of them, I thought, oh, maybe I got a shot through well, and It just didn't happen. Right. So I got to see a lot of cities, which was fun. Uh, And then I ended up playing in the AAF, the Alliance of American Football for Rick Neuheisel. And uh, really cool experience. But um, once that was done, you know, got some calls to try and go do the XFL and things like that. But you know, my course, had, my, my, my career had run its, run its course at that point. And so um, I was dating a girl at the time, and uh, it was her birthday when that league finished up. They literally walked in the team meeting room on a Tuesday and said, hey, league's over. Grab your bags and you got to be out in two days. So I drove straight to Dallas and and got to spend uh, birthday with her. And, um, you know, we started dating a little bit more. That's my wife now. And uh, so I moved to Dallas and and got a job up here. And the rest is history. And now, you know, looking back on football, I love talking about it still. I, uh, I I do some lessons from time to time. Um, I love going up to games. I wish I was more involved. Um, you know, I, I I knew coaching wasn't for me at the college level for a, a, a number of reasons. Um, but I do miss being around the game and, uh, you know, the real world's the real world as you guys know, and, uh, it's, it's tough some Saturdays to know that, uh, you don't get to wake up and go to team stretch, and then and then run out of a tunnel and uh, and get to go to battle with your boys.
0: All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Are you looking to buy or sell a house in the OKC metro area? I just used the Renalo Cloud Group to sell my old house, and it was so easy and so stress free. Station Ronaldo and Maddie Clouder with Sage Sotheby's International Realty. They believe in prompt communication, an honest relationship, and the luxury service. And that's exactly what they gave me, you can reach them by emailing Stacia at stacia at sage That's S T A C I A at S A G E S I R.com. Or you can contact them on Instagram at at sold by Stacia and at sold by Maddie underscore. You will not regret it. And you also won't regret sending your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic high school. Bishop McGinnis Catholic high school has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to one student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. All right, back to the interview. Trev, that's, I I mean, it's just, it's a great reminder that, you have to have a lot of luck and I'm not sure people realize how much luck you have to have to have a successful NFL career. And, you know, it doesn't work out the way you want it to all the times. And I, I know that, you know, from experience as well, Teddy knows that from experience as well, you know, injuries was kind of Teddy's thing, injury, your thing. I just I wasn't very good. So everyone's got their thing, but, I don't know how I exactly I want to transition to this, but have you heard that OU is going to the SEC?
2: <laughs> a time or two. Let's put it that way.
0: Okay, man. Give me yeah, – you, you you played at OU. You played at a Just give me your initial reaction when the news starts coming out and it's building steam and, you know, people – OU and Texas are issuing non-denial denials and we're like, okay, this this is going to happen.
2: Oh, well, one of my favorite things ever is you hop on Twitter and you guys know this better than anybody. You say something or you tweet something or something comes out like that news and people lose their minds. I mean, you see people saying everything from this side to this side and everywhere in between some of the most irrational things you've ever heard in your life, which was unbelievably hilarious to watch, right? Um, I was unbelievably calm. I was like, man, this is, this is really cool for me. I sit and I, I was telling you this the last time we talked, Gabe, I sit in such a unique seat, right? I got an opportunity now to where I don't have to pick which weekends I go down to college station or which weekends I go up to Norman. I'll just go to one each year if they're in the same pot or whatever it ends up being. And, and I'm just going to sit back and grab a cold beer and enjoy the heck out of it, man. But I think that, you know, in terms of the whole college football landscape, this, it, it was, it was coming at some point, right? They've always been talking about these super conferences. Um, who was going to take the first step? Is it bold, I think, that it's OU in Texas? Absolutely. But it was going to happen. And then you sit and listen to almost every coach at, you know, SEC media day or Big 12 media day or, or really any media day across the country, and they're all almost in 100% agreement about, you know, the 12-team playoff. And so you knew something was going to happen. Uh, I think that just the fact that it's in our world with with our allegiances um, it, it, it it hits home a little bit better but i'm a, I'm a huge fan. Um, I think you know getting to watch a Texas against an Auburn on any given week or an OU against Bama. I mean that's what that's what people want in college football, so I think it's going to be pretty neat.
1: You sit in an interesting position. Uh, you played quarterback in in obviously the Big twelve and the SEC. But you also played quarterback for two teams that despise the hell out of Texas. What side does the hate run deeper? And maybe it's a different kind of hate between, like, OU fans and A&M fans, but it's, a, it's an interesting perspective to have seen it from both sides like you have.
2: But yeah, there's no doubt. And, and You know, this is the way I put it. And, again, this is just my opinion and kind of where I sit. Um, but when I look at OU and and specifically the football program, it, it'd be very hard-pressed to find a, a program in the country that has more pride for your football program, right? I mean, day in and day out, Teddy, you know this. You lose a game on Saturday, Christmas is ruined. You win a game on Saturday, somebody's dog is getting named Teddy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the way its A M and m is. A&M is – I think it's much more um, – campus rooted right I mean there's a lot of it's the campus pride it's it's the cult it's the you know we'll stand the entire game that let's let's be honest I mean the history of Ann and football seven eight win seasons right uh, of course they've had great they've had great seasons but the the history of the actual football program isn't quite on the pedestal of an OU and, and that's just the facts uh, uh, over the years and so I think from a campus wide standpoint, you just have this, Hey, I grew up in Aggie. So I'm, I, you know, was raised to hate Texas and I don't care if it's football, baseball, basketball, whatever. I just hate them. At OU, it is much more personal on game day, you know, Um, game day. It's like OU Texas, one of the best environments ever, um, at least in the football spectrum. And, and there is a, on that day in October, the, the, the most hate I've ever seen. So just a little bit different, but, uh, you know, obviously throw the horns down whenever you can. Right.
0: Oh, absolutely. Till the day I die, Trev. <laughs> but okay. So you may have noticed in your Twitter mentions, you know, sometimes when we have guests, we ask our listeners, you know, for questions for them. And this one comes from Sean Crowell. And he says, what is the biggest difference you saw playing in the Big 12 and the SEC, what stands out to you?
2: And, and I'll just take this. I know I've been asked this a million times, and, and every time I answer it, it's probably something a little bit different. But the first thing that comes to mind right now is, number one, the, the venues, right? Um, I think when you go play in the SEC and you go to Bryant-Denny or you go to Jordan-Hare in Auburn or, or even go out to Mississippi State, right, You've just got a bigger stature of stadium and that's the SEC. You know, they build bigger stadiums and, and, uh, and, and that's the way it is. You don't go up to, and I always use this as an example. You don't go to Lawrence and end up, you know, after halftime, cause it's 55 to 10, you know, you're playing in front of a high school crowd. It just, that, that doesn't happen. Now, the other thing is I think week in and week out in the SEC, and I can confidently say this, You know, it it is a little bit more of a physical grind. Um, And the reason I say that is because it's just a little bit more hard nosed in terms of the style of football, the stature of the people. Um, That being said, flip that card and go play in the Big 12 and, and you better be ready to score a lot of points. Right. I mean, you've got you've got Lincoln Riley just laying it out there on the table and making things happen that these SEC defenses have never seen in their entire life. They're like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get base defense and we're just going to beat you because we're better than you. Well, you go play in the big 12 and there's a lot more trickery. There's a lot more scheme to it. There's a lot more, um, you know, preparation that goes into playing against some of these defenses and offenses. Right. And so different brand of football um, can't honestly say one better than the other. There's just differences. You know, everybody asks, well, OU is not going to be able to go compete, you know, week in and week out from a size standpoint in the SEC completely disagree. And I I put, you know, for a guy that came in and basically demoted me, I put Lincoln Riley very close to the top, if not the top of my list of greatest coaches that I've ever been around. Um, and, and he's a guy that, you know, he understands what's going on. He'll recruit guys that he that can play week in and week out in the SEC and they're going to go and they're going to be very successful like they have and like OU has, you know, been forever. Texas I'm a little more worried about, but that's more for personal reasons. And uh, and so we'll see how they do. But, you know, it's going to end up all being one. It's going to be one new brand of football, and, and it will be perfect for all of us, in my opinion.
1: I want to hit a follow-up there, Gabe, if, before you're going to go to maybe another one of the fans' questions. When When Lincoln showed up, what were your initial thoughts? Did you could you tell like right away, like, wow, he's going to have something really cool offensively. Did it take a little getting used to? Was it like really different from from what you had with Hypo? Just what was that that transition like?
2: Yeah, one of my favorite stories itself. And one of the reasons that I respect him so much, you know, we're, we're sitting there and, and we're awaiting his arrival. Right. And so we're getting all juiced up. Hey, we got to learn a new offense. We got to prove ourselves all these types of things. And I remember he gets to the first meeting room, and and he could sense that we were like, all right, we want we want the offense, we want all this, and uh, and we may have even said it out loud, like, hey, coach, when are we gonna, you know, when are we gonna get the the, the offense? And uh, he said, hey, we're not doing that yet. That's not what we're gonna focus on. We're gonna focus on our mindset first. Our mindset is when we get over, you know, over that white line, every single time we touch the ball, we're gonna go put in the end zone, and that's what we're gonna develop first. You guys have learned this offense. It's simple. It's one two words. You know, it's 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 the old air raid offense. You know, signal it in from one guy, and we we rock and roll. I'm not worried about that, but I am worried about our mindset. That's what I want to take care of first. And from day one, he has absolutely lived up to that. I remember standing on the sidelines of the Iowa State game in 2015. First play of the game, we run this crazy trickery play, double reverse back to Baker. Dimitri Flowers goes out kind of down the right sideline. He hits him for a 75-yard touchdown pass. And normally, you know, you see all the players going celebrating with Dimitri. Sterling Shepard, Deron Neal, all our defensive guys are dogpiling hype, seems like. And I remember stepping back and going, all right, that dude just won over this team for a long time. He has a way – about getting the most out of his players which i think is one of his greatest qualities and and what makes him so successful as a young coach in this profession.
0: I'm going to have to edit you saying Lincoln instead of hype right there because your subconscious got the best of you. <laughs> oh dang it. It's okay. It's fine. We knew what you meant. It happens. Well, it's your happens. voice
2: sounds like mine, so you can just voice it over. Right? Yeah,
0: I'll just go, Lincoln. Or do you want me to say link? I'm not editing by this way. That's, that is one of that is one of this show's rules. There, there is no editing. We refuse. But that's interesting. And, and, Trev, I know you still watch all the games, and just there's such high expectations for your, OU going into this season. And I know that – you know, a lot of attention has been taken off the team from the SEC stuff. But what do you think of Rattler as a quarterback? Because I know I, I watch offensive linemen with a very critical eye, especially the center position. I only assume you watch the quarterback position the same way. What What did you think about what you saw from Spencer Rattler last season?
2: I mean, talk about incredible talent. I think everybody can see that, that there's no mistake in that the dude has unbelievable arm talent. Um, he's got a moxie about him, a confidence about him, um, that is edgy. And, And you see the way that football and specifically the quarterback position is going. And it used to be, Hey, are you six, five? Um, can you hand the ball off? Can you, you, can you dissect the defense? Can you dink and dunk down the field and can you make all the throws? Right. That used to be the quarterback position, simply a distributor of the football. Nowadays, your quarterback is called on to be a playmaker, right? A lot of guys that may be with their feet and other guys still by their arm and and distributing the football are called on to be absolute freaks in nature. He is one of those guys. Uh, Some of the throws that he makes, it's those. No, 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 don't do that. And then it's a touchdown. Right. Um, I love watching him play. He's one of those guys that your eye gets drawn to. Um, you know, I, I, recall watching Johnny football and it's the same type of deal. You want to turn on the TV and watch the guy, you know, Pat Mahomes is the same way. Now playing in the NFL, he's going to do something nuts with his arm, you know, not going to probably do it with his feet, but he's going to make an incredible throw and people are going to go crazy about it. I'm a believer in Spencer Rattler. Um, at first I, you know, I didn't know, I knew he was super talented, Um, But the way that he kind of grew up last year and you watched him, you know, even at times of struggle, which was very, very minimal. um, You know, the way that he responded to that, uh, I I thought showed a lot of poise. I I thought it showed a lot of maturity and him going into this year after, uh, you know, getting a big 12 championship under his belt. I think he's going to blow the roof off this thing.
1: Now, obviously, guys can um, can handle celebrity while playing football, we see it all the time. We've seen it for a long time. Um, Guys in the NFL have all kinds of endorsement deals, but what would it be like to be on campus in a locker room with a bunch of guys whenever you're really the only one that's making a substantial amount of money? You know, in the NFL, everyone's making something at least, right? There's a big difference between quarterbacks and the other guys, but there's a big difference between – Uh, whenever everybody makes something and then when one guy makes a lot and no one else is really making anything at all, what do you think that dynamics going to be like? And do you worry about the mindset for, for any of these quarterbacks, maybe, you know, getting a bunch of endorsement deals before they've really, I I don't want to say they haven't earned it, but you know, that stuff usually comes from, from winning big time football games and winning awards and, and kind of elevating yourself to one of the best in the country. And we see guys getting it just because they're at a certain university.
2: No, no doubt. Yeah. I, you know, I needed to just dissect this whole NIL thing a little bit more because I, at first glance, I'm just not a fan of it. And I got absolutely destroyed on social media. Like, Oh yeah, it's easy for you to say, you know, you were fifth best quarterback in the state and, and these guys are the number one guys and all this stuff. And, Oh yeah, it, it, you're just saying that because you know you missed out on it or what whatever the, the you know the argument was. But I think you're right. I think it's going to create kind of this division in in the locker room. Um, it, it happens at the NFL level. You don't see it because that's a that's a vocation. That's their job day in and day out. But let's be honest: the, the top ten guys on a on a team that are making millions and millions of dollars, they drive very different cars than your seventh round pick. You know, they go eat at very different restaurants. They go on very different vacations. Um, their mindset's very different because if they get hurt, they're going on IR and they're coming right back. If you get hurt, well, you're probably going to find yourself a new home or, or you're going to hang the cleats up for good. And so there, I think there is a division even at the pro level. So now you bring that into the college level and it's going to be crazy these pro guys, they have marketing teams that are going out and seeking out these opportunities for them. At the college level, I've already seen it. I got one of my best buddies from from high school, his little brother plays at Texas on the offensive line. He's sitting there to all his favorite brands on Twitter and and Instagram all day. Hey, Chipotle, can you give me some free bowls? Hey, Traeger, (laughs) can you send me a Traeger? It's like, Number one, it's taking time away from their development as a player and, and getting to that ultimate goal where they are winning big games and, and being a big time player to, to actually get meaningful endorsements. But on the other side of it, I think they are going to end up ruining their marketability as well. Because something that I didn't realize coming out, I had a marketing team, and I think there was a company that wanted to pay me like 500 bucks to post on Instagram or whatever it was. This is when I, I was coming out of AM. And I'm shoot, I'm looking at it. I'm like, college graduate, don't have much money in the bank. And I'm like, dude, 500 bucks, let's do it. They said, no, we're going to turn that one down. I said, well, why? I said, well, because this other company over here wants to pay you a thousand. And if you accept the 500, that now is your floor for your marketability, right? And that's when I finally started to realize like, this is People get paid to be marketing folks, right? Like marketing teams do this for a living because they understand the business side of it. These kids are going to get a free burger and post 20 times on their social media. And, and it's going to ruin their marketability when they do come out and go to the NFL and have the ability to actually make great money. Uh, and, and I'll go on the record saying this too. There ain't nobody in the country that's made seven figures yet. Nick Saban's a lot smarter than a lot of us think. He said that and and I think that was a recruiting pitch to the to the max. That kid hadn't posted a single thing on social media at the time and that's a big way to generate revenue unless it was a, you know, the old envelope with million dollars in it. No way anybody's made seven figures, but that's my take on it.
0: I think we all can acknowledge this though. You would have made a shit ton of money after that Sugar Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it yeah, would well, have been
2: sweet. <laughs> you would back on it and you're like, geez, that would have been nice to you know, get a couple bucks in my pocket. I could have gone to Diamond Dogs or Logies. And Dude,
0: uh, do you hear?
2: Big, big man on campus. RIP to Diamond Dogs, man. I know. Yeah. What, a, what a dagger to the chest. It's
0: mm. rough. That's rough. Okay. Wow. We, one more fan question for you, Trev. Uh, this one comes from at Asbel underscore Tony. So I'm guessing his name's Tony Asbell. Don't know that for a fact, but just guessing. Boys, he says, please elaborate on any contact with Katy Perry following the best game date guest host appearance of all time.
2: Oh man,
0: yeah, that's, that's you're happily married now. Happily married, but no at doubt. the time, that was nuts. It was awesome. But well, did anything I – I suppose you say, did anything ever come of that? Was there contact ever made?
2: So, uh, I'll tell the story first and end up answering the question at the end. Uh, and Gabe, you know it all too well. But, you know, we we, uh, we, were, we were playing pretty good um, that year up to that point. And uh, I think we were number four in the country. We traveled to TCU, who was um, a little unproven at the time, but they – they ended up having a great year that year. Uh, I think went to the Peach Bowl and and, and won that game. Um, but anyways, we go down to, to Fort Worth. And uh, I remember sitting at pregame meal and Michael Honeycutt, our kicker, said, hey, you guys see Katy Perry's going to be on uh, college game day. You know, you don't really think, think of it at that point, right? I had no idea what was about to happen. So I roomed with Blake Bell. So we're back in the room, you know, just relaxing for a little while before we get on the bus to go over to the stadium. And, and the whole deal unravels, and she says that. And Gabe, you know Blake really well, and his, his reactions are like over-amplified. And he does the whole like, whoosh, looks at me, looks back at the screen, and his big six-foot-six behind is jumping on the bed, going nuts, like almost hitting his head on the ceiling.
1: <laughs> Did you hear what she just said? That was you, dude. That was you.
2: And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Well, I look at my phone and I mean, it was like constant texts, um, tweets, like the whole deal. And so luckily, and I can say this with the most confidence and, and the truth, I, I turned off my phone. I was like, dude, we got a big game to play. Turn off the phone. We'll deal with it after. That was pretty cool. We get on the, on the bus and we end up going and we lose the game. Right. Um, and I, I remember being on the bus afterwards and I then opened my phone to all these texts. And I remember just kind of being heartbroken about the loss. And then, you know, you get back to Norman, you're kind of sitting there going, man, I can't even play this thing up because we just lost. And, and that's just not acceptable. Right. And so I, I was dating a girl at the time and I was a good boyfriend. I'm not going to do anything on social media looking back now I should have played that thing up to the max man like that would have been so funny and I was just the good I was playing the good card and we lost and it's the political thing to do screw that I should have reached out to her so the answer to the question is we never had contact um would have been fun if we did even if it was just for a picture or something
1: like that uh uh, do you get asked more about that or the Alabama game oh Katy Perry for sure (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) That I remember because like my, my senior year was the year before, right? And I remember seeing that and I was on IR at the time and I was watching game day and it happened and I was just like ah Oh, I, I could. I was so jealous that I wasn't still like on that team. That was the time where I was like, "Oh my gosh, I wish I was in that locker room right now." Because I could only assume it was just. I'll tell you. Really talk about trying to sh- just rattle your focus for get,
1: getting ready well, to play. You a know game. How I, the first thing I thought of was, "We better win this blanking game." Because I know know it's all going to come back to this, right? And it still does. Oh, the curse
2: of Katy Perry, you know, blah, blah. I'll tell you what I did do that I completely regret now. I was still getting, like, throughout that week, I was still getting, like, obviously a ton of tweets and texts and everything like that. And a lot of people that didn't have my best interest at heart encouraged me to, after the fact, way too late, reach out to her on social media and I put out a text. And to this day, I'm like, golly, you're such a douche for putting that out. <laughs> it was horrible.
0: Hey man, uh, shoot your shot. <laughs> you live and you learn, right? Okay. So I, I did want to give you an opportunity to talk about the Quinn Ewers thing because, you know, we were going back and forth on Twitter about it. And you finally were like, all right, I'm just going to call you. <laughs> and... <laughs> So this kid's the number one, for those that don't know, he's the number one recruit in the country, decided he is going to skip his senior year, the entire year, uh, his senior year of football, including football season. So he's bailing on his boys to go to Ohio State, uh, rumored that he can make a ton of money in NIL uh, deals, endorsements, one with like a kombucha company that's given him equity in the company. And I said that I thought it was the best decision for him from a football development standpoint and the the money is not irrelevant and you disagreed why
2: yeah you know i gave when we talked the other day i thought i I, and i still think a lot of people have good thoughts on it and i'll 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 take a step back because i don't know if i was clear about this the other day or on my tweet i absolutely am not um bashing Quinn Ewers as a player. I I believe in the guy. I think he's an amazing player, obviously. And I hope the best for him. I hope this works out for him. My idea behind sending out this tweet that I disagree was more of just the situation in general and what it could bring. Um, And and here are some of kind of my thoughts on it and some of the rebuttals that I've heard that that I'd like to kind of talk to. But first and foremost, yes, you do miss out on your senior year. I'm not talking about the prom stuff. You can go back to that. Even guys that graduate early and go at the semester go back for prom and all that stuff. I do disagree with him missing his senior year of football, number one, because that's – you know, in, in my career, that's one of my favorite years of football ever is my high school senior year. Number two, to rebuttal you, Gabe, I think that he will get more development, more confidence, and better at his craft playing football this season as opposed to going up and yes he will have better coaching yes he will be in a college program um, from a mental and physical standpoint but he's gonna stand on the sidelines he's gonna get maybe a few reps here and there while the starter's getting all the offensive reps he may even run you know the scout team who knows so where is that Huge leg up in development coming from from going up there right now, as opposed to six months from now where he has an opportunity to go out and win a state championship, throw a ton of touchdowns um, and 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 in my opinion, even boost his brand even more, because if he's everything that he says he is, you know, he could go out and do that. A lot of people are saying, well, he's graduating. He's doing everything that you, you ask him to do. Totally agree with that. I'm not I'm not downing him for being you know, ahead in classes or being one of the best of all time. And again, he may be the one example that this works out for. I just think him setting this example, and if this starts to happen with other guys, it's going to be the same phenomenon that you see these guys leaving their junior year of college and going and not making a team. And then they're sitting like you, you know, the three of us here doing something else for the rest of their life. Those are my initial thoughts. Again, love to hear what you guys have to say and answer any questions on it.
1: Well, I I think there's – I think a lot of things that you say have a lot of merit. I also understand the other end of it to where, gosh, you never know how long your football career is going to last. And if you've got an opportunity to go make some money, you go make some money. But the old man in me is, is sitting here saying whenever he's uh, – 65 70 years old and he's looking back on his life he's not going to give a damn about a Kambuka endorsement he's going to think about you know should i have played that senior year won that state championship with the guys i went to you know junior high and high school with that's you know you can't really argue that it shouldn't happen because of that but i can assure you there'll be a time in his life where he doesn't care about any of that money. And it's going to be the experiences that, that you think about. Um, And quite frankly, if he's as good as a lot of people think he is, it ain't going to matter how much money he makes right now. He's going to make a ton in the NFL, but I hope, and I think that this is just going to be one of only a handful of times that we see something like this happen i'm i know there's there's a lot of worry that it could become some type of big epidemic where we've got a bunch of great high school players that are not going to be playing their senior year and maybe that does happen but i think it's going to be super rare and most likely only for quarterbacks
2: yeah i i think i'd agree with you and i think that's a really really neat point about looking out into into the future you know um to your point, if he's as good as he says he is and he's going to go and, and start developing and, and Gabe, you said even his ultimate goal is to be a number one overall pick or a first round draft pick or whatever. If he's that good anyway, the, the money's going to come. Now, I, I get it. Everybody says, why, why would you ever turn down a million dollars or whatever? But I'm still sitting here going, what about the what ifs? What if it's, and, and not to throw anybody under the bus, but what if it's a Tate Martell situation? Super highly recruited guy, hadn't really seen much, you know, may, may get an opportunity to go play slot in the NFL. I, I don't know. I doubt it. Um, but it, there's, there's just too many what ifs right now to your point, Teddy, to look back, you know, in his sixties when he's got hopefully little kids running around and, and hopefully he's a great member of society uh, to say, man, I, you know, I kind of wish I kind of regret that. And, uh, and so that's the personal side of it. But, you know, from a football side of it too, shoot, you're still going to get to go at, at at spring ball and get meaningful reps. And as opposed to sitting in a meeting room and learning the offense, you're going to get to get those reps six months from now. And I I just, I kind of stand firm in my stance on it, but I see both sides. You know, how do you turn down money when you're a, uh, you know, 18 year old kid?
0: Yeah, I, I think all three of us agree that there's probably too many people telling this kid what he should do. Let's just let the kid live his life. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he get and he's not even a kid; he's eighteen. I
1: mean, it's his decision to make. And the, big, the only, I mean, think about that though. That's that's what's crazy is, you know, and and this is going to be gone for the most part. But there, there's like a, a progression. You work your tail off in high school because, my God, what would it be like to have a Division One scholarship? You get the scholarship you work your tail off because what would it be like to be a starter or to be all conference or to be an all American or what about a draft pick and go play in the NFL? So you, you just, you're ironed down, you're focused and that's where all your attention is. And then whenever you get to that moment, then it's like, okay, now you can start thinking about some money and stuff. So like kind of your point about people sitting there on social media all day, uh, tweeting at, at different companies and worrying about endorsements and stuff the, the money will come if you just go take care of the stuff on the field so i don't know it's a weird time to think about all of that stuff kind of flying around while you're trying to play college football
2: and it's 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 tough for us to sit here and talk about it too because it's a new brand it's it's a new time and it's something that none of us had to go through i mean i i'm the old school mindset of i appreciated the fact that when I left high school and I had kind of this cockiness about me because I was the best player in high school, that I got there and Schmitty immediately brought me down to my senses and I had to earn that respect back up. Talk about dividing a locker room. This kid's going to have more money, supposedly, than all the guys in his locker room. And he hadn't even gone through a workout yet. He hadn't even thrown a pass up there. He hadn't even proven himself on the field. I think it's going to cause a lot of problems. But, you know, we'll see. Hopefully he can handle it.
0: Uh, how about this? If the if the reports are true, he's gonna have more money than a couple of the coaches. <laughs>
2: yeah, talk about so. that's like that's like a Kyler Murray situation. And hey, hey guys, we got to immediately up Lincoln's contracts. Kyler's making more. Than- <laughs> <laughs> right. exactly.
0: Trev, you're the man. We appreciate all the time, dude. I, people are gonna love this. I'm just telling you that was that was awesome, man.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I love it. Uh love listening to you guys. Love love following the both of you and uh look forward to seeing you guys uh at palace this uh this fall and hopefully we can uh give each other a hug and, and high five pending any COVID restriction. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks. Yeah, you bet. See you guys. Old
0: old Trevor Knight's got some stories now, bro. I mean, that was That was awesome getting to hear kind of the reasoning behind all the decisions he had to make.
1: Yeah. Well, the transfer list is interesting. Uh, Some SEC schools and the, and the coaches that he was talking to pretty fascinating stuff. Really? I mean, did he get
0: ghosted by Mark Rick?
1: (laughs) Is that interesting that. that he mentioned every coach that he talked to, they didn't last very long. Like Rick was out of town. Les miles was out of town. I mean, all that, turnover happened pretty quick uh I think he think he made the right choice and went to a good spot and ended ended his career in a good note
0: I think some OU fans are really going to enjoy that interview I agree that was that was awesome and on that note episode 137 if my math is correct remember we're doing this way in advance I think it's 137 (laughs) Ted I hope that's right I'm sorry if it's not people there's the one guy that's like listening very carefully every time to make sure I get the number right because he's going to call my ass out when that's I get right. it wrong.
1: He'll get the tweet. That's that's fine. We love that.
0: I think it's one we We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports, T- Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM. I can't even speak. <laughs> Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great, I mean, what greet? That's not even a word. I'm losing it, man. He's lost it. He's off the rails. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.